0: Good morning. I'm not so sure how to respond to that uh, introduction. I thought you were going to tell them what I was supposed to be talking about. (laughs) But what you said was great. (laughs) I appreciate it very much. Uh, yeah, those of you that are scheduled to take a class or so with me next semester, or anybody here like visiting the school to see if they really want to come here or for the first time? No. I was going to say, good, good. don't hold this don't hold me against the school. It's really quite a good school. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, It's a privilege to be able to speak with you uh, today. I would like to say that I've had weeks and weeks to prepare, but Danny called me yesterday. (laughs) And uh, just, uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, Ryan backing away because he had uh, other things to accomplish, so he didn't have time to prepare, so Danny called me. So if you really don't like what I have to say, I guess we can say it's Ryan's fault. But uh, my understanding uh, from Danny is you've had a group, a number of speakers come, talking about the concept of being an ambassador, starting right now where you are. The importance of taking ministry today very seriously. Uh, many people, I think you would agree, consider this kind of a transitional period that you find yourself in here at Montana Bible College, whether you're here for the one-year certificate or you plan on staying to graduate with a four-year degree, as kind of this, the go-between preparation time for uh, what God is going to lead you into down the road. I would take issue with that kind of a mindset and I'd encourage you to really step outside of that mindset. Uh, I, we would Many of us that have been around the school for a number of years, uh, and have seen a lot of students come and go. We have heard uh, almost every complaint you can imagine regarding varying things that are being asked of students at this school, one of which is devotions. Why do we have to come and sign in for devotions? I'm glad that's no longer my headache to deal with. But my, the, a point is this. If you don't develop in your life the habit of doing that today, Why do you think in the world you're going to develop that habit five years from now when you leave this school? That's kind of a ludicrous thing to think about. Some of you already now don't like me and will not take my classes. (laughs) I really have no time for pretense in my Christian experience, in my walk with the Lord, Christian community. It is what it is. I say the same kind of thing regarding ministry. If you're just here, preparing for ministry. I understand the mindset, but if you're not involved in ministry today, why do you think you're going to step into ministry leaving this place? One of the great things about biblical principle is there's very, very few that put on it an age criteria or a parameter of a time of life when it applies to you. One of those things is being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. The day you gave Jesus control of your life, the day you accepted for yourself and appropriated in a personal manner the finished work of Christ at Calvary's cross, the day you received forgiveness for your sin, the day you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you became an ambassador for Christ. And if you aren't stepping into that role in whatever capacity God's leading you today, I don't have much hope for you stepping into it in the future. Today, you are an ambassador. My wife and I have spent a lot of years in ministry. We're old people. I'm looking around here. I don't know if I'm the oldest one in this room or not, but I suspect maybe I am. Am I the oldest one in this room back there? No, Rick's like, yes, you are. <laughs> Mark? Are you definitely older than me? <laughs> And so we've been around ministry for a lot of years. Uh, but man, it's really different being in ministry today than it was, say, nearly 40 years ago. When I finished undergrad school and we, you know, we were a married couple less than a year at that time. Went away to candidate school and stepped into the world of full-time vocational missions uh, as a church planning missionaries with North American Indigenous Ministries. Uh, my first experience with that was in 1976, as, between my freshman and sophomore year in college. And from that time on, I've seen myself, and now alongside with my wife, we've seen ourselves as purposeful ambassadors for Jesus. But that's not just because we are involved in full-time vocational ministry. I really believe it's because we see our responsibility as a, as a uh, purposeful... Representative of the sovereign God of all creation, where we find ourselves today. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I do. I want to encourage you to consider life outside of Montana Bible College. That's a difficult thing for many people. I've always been attracted to the non-Christian community. I've always found it way easier to communicate and build relationships in that context than in the Christian context. Christian community annoys me. So many times. I say that with great love and respect to Christians. That's not a diss. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying that sometimes Christians can be the most annoying, critical, vicious people in this world. And if you don't find it easy to step outside of this little bubble that you find yourself in at Montana Bible College to accomplish the work of an ambassador, that which you've been given the responsibility to do, here, I'd like to encourage you to consider that. Give consideration to that. There are a few things that I just want to, you know, throw out there to you this morning that I think you would uh, uh, respond to in a way that says, yes, I've been there a time or two, or that's exactly the reason why Uh, I don't like spending time in non-Christian community. I don't feel like I'm an ambassador yet because I don't feel prepared yet. I just don't have all the appropriate tools that's going to lend itself to success in that which God has called me to do. Let me just share some of these. Tell me if you've ever been there. How many of you like confrontation? Oh, boy, you're not going to like my classes next semester. (laughs) I love confrontation in the sense of I like appropriate confrontation. I just don't like it for the sake of it. I like it because sometimes it's necessary. But that's a good reason why we don't like to be an ambassador today. We don't want confrontation, alienation. How many of you like to be alone? You want to be surrounded, people need to like me. I need to be like people, I need to have this. I could be satisfied from now till Jesus comes back, sitting in my basement by my wood stove with a dim light on in the corner, and just people leave me alone. But I can't, I can't be satisfied with that. I really can't. I like that. I mean, I'm a big mouth social outgoing guy. That's a cover up for the independent loner that I am inside. I just like. But alienation, we don't want to be alienated. And if i an ambassador, someone's not going to like me. How about rejection? How many of you like to be rejected? Yeah. Jace, you like to be rejected. <laughs> I really think you set yourself up for that many times, Jace. <laughs> Embarrassment? You don't like to be out of your comfort zone. Adverse to conflict, general fear, afraid of messing up, but I don't have all the answers, you know what I mean. These are just some reasons why this concept of being the ambassador today, in the context we find ourselves in, wherever that is, we just wanna avoid it a little bit. Somebody's gonna know my imperfections and use them against me, oh boy. Afraid of offending someone. I should probably be more concerned about that than I really am. Only those students that have had me for a class are laughing right now. (laughs) (laughs) The view non-Christians have of Christians, that's going to keep me from being an ambassador. I don't want to be associated with the religious elite. Lack of knowledge, that's one that we all face. You know what, let me just say something to that. So many times we're afraid I won't have an answer or, or I don't know all the answers. You realize that God only wants you to pour into somebody's life that which he's poured into you, right? You're not responsible to teach things or tell people something you don't know. You are responsible to give that which you do know. And all of you have exponentially grown way beyond where you were when you first got here. So you're way ahead of the game in that regard. But I'm not qualified. I don't know the word enough. I won't know what to say. not sure how to handle somebody when they challenge me. You ever been challenged? Somebody really just take you to task, and you just, at that moment, it's like, oh boy, I just, back up. I don't have enthusiasm for evangelism. Apathy, I just don't care. Or I just don't want to spend time with non-Christians. I'm not so sure you're reading the same Bible as I'm reading. Because spending time with non-Christians is exactly what we're called to do. Yes, we're supposed to be involved in Christian community, encourage one another, build up the body, edify one another. I could go on and on with the near 27 reciprocal commands of the New Testament that we are obligated to comply with. But we are called very specifically to spend time as ambassadors with people that are not of the same community we find ourselves a part of. That's what an ambassador is. The non-Christian community. Salt and light is what you're asked to be. Salt and light is what you're asked to be. I want to encourage you this morning to look at your opportunities that you have in the workplace, with family or relatives, with your non-Christian friends, in restaurants, wherever. And I don't mean just kind of the kind of forays in and out kind of things. The opportunity to develop relationship in non-Christian communities is really, really important. As an ambassador let me just share with you uh, some important things that I think and if you've heard this all before which I'm sure you have I'd encourage you to hear it again with new ears I doubt if I'll say anything this morning that you haven't already been told or haven't already heard but I hope and pray God encourages you with something new I want to look at the life of Paul in particular in how he saw himself as an ambassador, or as a commissioned representative, if you will, of his Savior. He evangelized, if you will, as a commissioned representative of Jesus. That's pretty powerful, to be quite honest. No matter what your political view is right now, in this divisive political climate that we find ourselves in today, Ambassadors of the United States around the world are going as commissioned representatives of the sovereign that is the United States of America. And I'm saying that so you understand the authority with which you go as a commissioned representative of the sovereign God of all creation. That is your authority. I don't mean to, I vowed I wasn't going to, kind of go to preaching but I might. A commissioned representative and that includes three things. It includes being a good steward, it includes being an honest herald, not herald, herald and an ambassador. So what does it mean to be a steward in the concept of this idea of going out into the world? A good steward. What would we be a good steward of? You can raise your hand and answer. You don't need to raise your hand. What would we be a good steward of? Exactly. Exactly. Has nothing to do with money. That's what we think about when we talk about good stewardship. But the way Paul saw himself, and I think the way we should see ourselves, is as a good steward of what we have received in the good news of Jesus Christ. That starts today. If you haven't begun that process, then you need to be a good steward of it today. A couple of passages of Scripture that I'd share with you. One is, I'm sure you've heard this a few times in your time here at Montana Bible College, but just let me share this with you. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 2. This has more to do with discipleship, this verse, than it does maybe going out as a good steward of the gospel. But there's a really important phrase in here, kind of apart from the concept of discipleship that you might hear this, Presented in. And it says this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. How how many of you have heard that verse in some context here at Montana Bible College? Great verse on discipleship. To me, I think it's a quintessential New Testament verse on the process of discipleship because what we see in this verse apart from pouring into others lives is this is a very generational thing. There are four spiritual generations mentioned in this verse if you just count it carefully. So we're talking about four spiritual generations pouring into the next one here. But there's one phrase in there you need to underline. And that is the phrase that says, entrust to reliable men. Parentheses, and women too. Are you reliable with the things God is teaching you? Are you reliable? If you are, then you could be a part of passing that on to the next generation. I think this is an amazing kind of a concept, showing responsibility and good stewardship with biblical truth. I mean, you come to class, you pay good money for people like me, or well, maybe not me, Ryan and, and others to teach you, and you're soaking it in. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? This is not a question that I'm asking for the first time or that you haven't asked yourself. It's the, maybe the singular most uh, puzzling thing that st- students at the Bible college try to figure out. How do I take what I'm learning in the classroom and do something with it? We've heard that over and over and over again. Well, Get off of your posterior and go. That's using discipline and self-control right there. (laughs) Seriously, are you reliable people with the lessons that you're learning? Lessons not from me, not from Ryan, not from Micah, not from Dan, not from you. No, lessons from scripture. Are you reliable with it? Are you a good steward with the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Do you realize that as you accepted the gospel for yourself, yes, there was that personal and radical transformation that took place. And you know the great theologies of the book of Romans. But do you also realize that you then just, when you became entrusted with the secret things of God, you became a part of the greater Christian community that now God looks at as, are you a good steward with what I've given you? And This doesn't happen when you leave here. It happens right now my wife and I are no longer like on the front line of what I would call long-term vocational ministry as far as field missionaries, church planters living on the reservation, working with native people that we uh, just adore, love, fell in love with. We're still involved with ministry. I'm not saying that. It's not any less credible, viable, or important. But sometimes people think, well, now we're no longer out there. So now that we're extracted from that and put into this kind of a new ministry environment that it It doesn't hold the same kind of uh, weight to it. I take issue with that. It has the exact same weight to it. My ambassador's credentials were not revoked because I left one location and came into an entirely new dynamic here. My credentials are the same. And I've been entrusted with the secret things of God. And you know what? The non-Christian community has no idea what those secret things are. And you could be the one to spread this, the secret, to tell it, as an ambassador. 1 Corinthians 9.17. 1 Corinthians 9.17 says this. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. It's like here's your job description as an ambassador, it's written out for you, now I discharge the trust to you, I give the job description to you, fulfill it, check it off. This is what we're supposed to do, this is being a good steward and this is how Paul saw himself. Now, I'll tell you what singular thing being a good steward of the gospel shows. It shows responsibility, that's what it shows. Are you responsible with the gospel? today. If I were to go around the room and ask each one of you individually, are you, are you committed to evangelism? Do you believe it's a good thing? David, do you? When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Yes, sir. Oh, man, there you go. All right, I picked the wrong guy. Now you guys are all scared because around the room we go. Are you responsible? With the gospel, are you a good herald? Are you a good herald? This is the second thing Paul saw himself as. Second Timothy chapter one. Let me just read this verse so as not to misquote it to you. Second Timothy chapter one verse eleven says this: and of the gospel, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle as a teacher. That noun there, herald. And those of you that are. Uh, the Greek scholars of MBC, you can take me to task for this, but the noun there that's translated in English, herald, literally means herald. Standing and heralding something. That's what it means. And Paul saw himself that way. He saw himself as Christ's herald. Right? We sing the Christmas song, we're about ready to get into the Christmas season. Hark, the herald angels sing right? These guys floated down, or however it happened, I have no idea wasn't there. I'm not that old. <laughs> and they heralded something. What was it? Born. Yeah. Born to you this day in the city of David. Right? I don't know what kind of, what kind of accents do angels have, you think? Yeah. I don't know. I was going to try to sound like one, but I've never been accused of uh, being mistaken for an angel, that's for sure. (laughs) But they were heralds. They were heralding good news. That's what Paul saw himself as. And an ambassador today, like not five years from now, not next year, but today, do you see yourself as a responsible herald? One who's been given the opportunity to be a proclaimer of good news. Now, I don't know, how, how many of you might have uh, uh, trekked across the uh, 19th Avenue here a few weeks back and went over on campus when those guys were over there being really angry with people? Anybody go over there and listen to them? What would you think of all that? Uh, I thought it was an awesome opportunity to like, ask the crowd uh, what they thought about it. What would you think about them, though? What I think about them. Yeah. Do you see them as heralds? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all kind of heralds out there. No one's asking you to go stand on a street corner and do public preaching, although if you've never done it, you should really do it just once, just to get reaction from people, right? It's fun. You know, Just stand on a little box somewhere and start shouting the good news. That's kind of what we're asked to do. And now, I might be cutting my own throat here because now you know you don't want to do that. You'd like to be a subversive herald. <laughs> you, want to, you want to be a herald who whispers. No one is asking you to be an angry herald. A responsible one, that's for sure. But do it today. Paul saw himself that way, and he, I believe with all my heart that really showed the authenticity of Paul in doing that. If being a good steward showed responsibility, I think being a herald showed authenticity. It showed that whatever was transforming him on the inside was now working itself out, and he, couldn't, he could not keep it to himself. He took his responsibility of a herald seriously because it was an authentic change going on there. Dramatic change. Third thing was obviously an ambassador, the authorized representative of a sovereign. I find great comfort in this. I find great comfort in being an authorized representative of the sovereign of all creation. The contract has been signed, and I will never get fired from it. Ever. One who speaks on behalf of another. That's what I said previously. The United States of America has ambassadors around the world. They're not there proclaiming themselves. They are speaking on behalf of the United States of America. That's how we should see ourselves as ambassadors for Christ. Representatives of a sovereign and people who speak on behalf of another. So, What do you think God wants people on this earth to hear from him? Not your message, but his message. Because your responsibility is to speak on behalf of God. And just a little sidebar notation in that sometimes your life speaks so loudly in opposition to the message of God that people can't hear what you say. So be careful. Be careful how you live your life so that when words of the, rep, of the sovereign come out of your mouth, it is represented accurately. That starts today. Not when you leave here. Not down the road. This is how Paul saw himself as an ambassador wherever he was. Yes, he was just a simple, you know, Jewish man And I say that, you know, complex but simple. He saw himself as a a Jewish man who was transformed by the proclamation of the gospel to his life, and he responded to it, then he embraced it and became a good steward of that message, a great herald and commissioned representative of the sovereign. That shows authority. There are people in this world today Who are doing things they have no business doing. Politicians, teachers, administrators, garbage collectors, millennials. (laughs) There are people doing things they have no business doing. They have no authority to do it. Or they think they have authority just because they think they do. But let me assure you of this one thing. As a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, today, where you find yourself, you go with the authority of the sovereign God of all creation. That is your authority. So when you proclaim something like John fourteen six. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's a message that's so non-relative today. I mean, we we live in a world of relativism in this postmodern world in which we live. We can't be that diametrically steadfast, have that tight of parameter, and when we proclaim that, we think we have to soften it somehow because someone is going to be offended at that, right? Maybe you, in fact, are offended with that. Let me assure you of this. If that sounds extremely narrow-minded, it's because it is. If it sounds extremely exclusive, that's because it is. But guess what? You have the authority of the sovereign God of all creation to proclaim it without apology. And then to understand the implications of that. That doesn't mean everybody's gonna like it if you just whip out your God badge and said, here's my authority. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean people are just gonna automatically love you for it. I guarantee you they won't. For all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I read that somewhere once. But you have the authority to do it your degree from Montana Bible College whether it's a four year degree in that big blue thing or that one year certificate in that little paper thing that's not your authority for anything it's really not other than to get mocked and to get laughed at that's what that gives you authority for but when you proclaim the good news as one who is a good steward one who is a great herald the one who sees themselves as an ambassador, you have all the authority for that. So start. Don't wait. Life transitions us from one thing to another, one ministry to another. It looks so different today than it did nearly 40 years ago. But what I do today is equally valuable in the kingdom. And I don't say that because it's us who's doing it. I'm saying because that's where God has us today. And I'd say the same to you as a student at Montana Bible College or an employer or wherever you work or a member of whatever family you find yourself a member of. There are people out there that you need to be a responsible steward and share the secret things of God with. They need to hear. You need to be that salt and light today, not five years from now. Now, some of you might be thinking, and I just kind of glanced at Caleb, because it, and it made me think of this. I didn't even lock eyes with him. But Caleb wants to get out of here so bad and go do some ministry. Right? I appreciate that sentiment. But don't jump over, don't jump over the steps necessary to make you the best ambassador you can be. Remember what I said about there are some people out there doing things and they have no business doing them? That's what happens when you supersede proper preparatory steps. That doesn't mean I think education is the end all to being a good Christian minister. I'm the one guy that thinks academics sometimes is so overrated. It really is. But I do think this, that if you want to do ministry, prepare yourself to do ministry. But that doesn't mean you're exempt from it while you're in the midst of the preparation. That's the encouragement. That's the encouragement. I'll see some of you next semester. Father, thank you so much for the encouragement of your word in my own life. Uh, I'm really glad I have the passion today that I had probably way more today than I had so many years ago. I pray for these young people. That 40 years from now, when they're standing in front of a group of young Bible college students, that their passion for ministry will shine through, stronger than than it is today. But it starts today. Help us to be good stewards of the secret things of God. Help us to be honest heralds, and help us with authority to be ambassadors of the sovereign God of all creation. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for the sake of his reputation, amen.